Welcome to our podcast, Big Tobacco Mess with the Wrong Moms. This is Dorian Furman. I'm Meredith Berkman, and we're the wrong moms. And we are thrilled to have as our guest today, Dr. Robert Jackler from Stanford University. Who is an expert in the impact of tobacco advertising and marketing. It was Dr. Jackler who exposed Jules turning the Big Tobacco playbook on its head to create a new marketing guide through social media. And we're gonna talk about the way in which Jewel did that today, but we're also going to talk with Dr. Jackler about how he sees Puff Bar, the flavored disposable e-cigarette, doing the same thing and in fact becoming the new Jewel. Dr. Jackler, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to very briefly ask you a question, which is why you got into this field, because you are trained, I believe, in the field of otolaryngology, if I'm right about that. What led a doctor in that specialty to focus on advertising, tobacco advertising specifically? You know, it's interesting. So I'm an otologist. I do microsurgery of the ear, and I've had a long and uh, enjoyable and interesting career as a scholar and a leader in that field. It is an unusual thing for an ear surgeon to take up the study of advertising tobacco. Uh, it began in my journey when my mother developed lung cancer and she was a smoker from being a young teenager and found it as a kid. And then she became very addicted and it was very hard for her to stop. And eventually she died from the effects of smoking. Now, so about 15, 16 years ago, um, I got very interested in asking the question, why my mother in those days, in the mid 20th century, how did she become a smoker? And I began collecting tobacco ads. Why? Because, you know, as an academic, I realized there's a huge amount of research in tobacco, in the health consequences of tobacco, many different subjects, but minimal research into how tobacco advertising drove forward the uh, catastrophe of cigarette smoking in America. So by collecting tobacco ads, and we eventually had a very large collection of tobacco ads, we began to do research and to try to trace the roots of how the tobacco industry did what it did so cleverly, frankly, to develop um, a consumer base for basically shredded tobacco wrapped in paper. It was real genius in the 20th century. They had the very best advertisers, public relations people that money could buy, and they put them to very good effect. So Dr. Jackler, we've known of your work for, for quite a while, and we met you in person for the first time at the congressional hearing where we all testified in July of 2019 in the Congressional Oversight Subcommittee hearing on Juul and their role in the youth vaping epidemic, where you shared a lot of your research and your discoveries. As many of our listeners know, or may not know, Juul was created by two Stanford design students. And these two students actually came to see you at one point. And I'm curious why they came to see you and what their justification for coming to see you was. I'm curious what they asked you when they came to see you. Uh, that's an interesting story. So actually, I met with one of the co-founders, uh, James Monsies, um, in the summer of 2018, along with a large group of summer interns and my professional research staff. And in talking with him, the first thing he said, good to see you again. And you know, I didn't remember ever meeting them. Um, and he said, you know, when we were 
thinking about creating a tobacco company that was going to disrupt the evil tobacco industry. That was their thought at the time. Um, they came and asked me about how the tobacco industry markets. Now, it's interesting. They were students in the design school at Stanford, which is very sophisticated and, and oriented towards entrepreneurship and design thinking and really forward-looking innovation. As they became commercially successful, they became corrupted. Just as so many other technology companies, once the money starts rolling in, the financial rewards become more important than consideration of the well-being of their customer base. And that's certainly what happened with Juul. Although they, they did have possibly the mission to transition smokers to a different device, not cessation as they later started to say, but to transition them to a different nicotine type of addiction, their marketing was very clearly marketed towards young people. At the time that Juul launched in June 2015, we know from looking at some of the um, internal industry documents that have been described in the Attorney General's report, particularly in Massachusetts and in California, we know that Juul actually engaged an agency. And that agency um, provided with them some examples of an advertising campaign that would have been calibrated to adult midlife smokers. I mean, if you want to make a marketing campaign that is designed to reach adult smokers, it's very different than you would do to teenagers. Well, Juul consciously rejected it. They brought it in-house. And then they produced a campaign that was obviously oriented towards underage youth and to 20-year-olds. And it was very clear with, with young kids dancing around with bright colors. And you know, here you have the classic tobacco industry playbook of taking models in their early to mid-20s, doing activities and poses, postures uh, that are more typical of underage teenagers, which is exactly what they ended up doing. And they also decided to distribute their marketing in social media. And Juul, one of Juul's big innovations, and there were three primary innovations to Juul. The first one was a very clever device because it didn't look like a smoking or vaping device. It was a little thing that looked like a USB flash drive. So if it was on the bedside table of a teenager, mom or dad wouldn't know what it was. You know, if a teacher saw it, they wouldn't know. They eventually found out, but they wouldn't, number one. So it was stealthy. It didn't look like what it was. Number two, they used very high nicotine, salt nicotine. And in fact, they studied what the tobacco industry did. And from 1980s research by R.J. Reynolds, they learned that the problem with nicotine is it's bitter. And when you mix it together with the liquid of e-cigarettes, propylene glycol and glycerin, and you start putting in gummy bear flavor or chocolate flavor, if you get above about one or 2% regular nicotine, uh, alkaline nicotine, it tastes too bitter. So they made it acidic using benzoic acid, and that made it possible to have three times higher nicotine levels that are potently addictive, and the flavor comes through, and it would still appeal to young people um, in that way. Um, the third thing they did is they found a very clever and inexpensive way of marketing. They use social media. They use Instagram. They use Facebook. They use Twitter, and they know that's where young kids look. And they were really smart. I mean, they didn't pay for expensive ads. They had a bunch of people in-house who would author, you know, images and slogans and descriptions, and then they would pay 
celebrities and you know internet celebrities so-called influencers who had thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers they paid them to say great things about Juul. Dr. Jackler you've spoken in the past about Juul using and updating the Big Tobacco Playbook by using social media and influencers. Today the new federal guideline has banned flavored pod-based systems like Juul in flavors other than menthol and tobacco, leaving hundreds of disposable devices on the market. Parents and kids we hear from tell us that kids are migrating towards these devices. One of the devices that we've heard the most about is a brand called Puff Bar. And it's very concerning that they seem to be taking Juul's place. What do you have to say about that? There are four reasons that Puff Bar is the new Juul, right? There are four reasons. One, it looks just like Juul, right? Very, very similar. Two, it comes in sweet and fruity flavors in wide variety like Juul did, even exceeding that. It advertises in markets on youth-oriented social media channels. And the fourth, the most important thing is, it's being bought by a huge number of kids. We know that from social media. We know it from the displays in convenience stores around America and in tobacco shops. There's these racks and racks and racks of brightly colored, um, sweetly flavored things. So I don't know the exact sales data, but it's obviously from the chatter online and from the commercial displays becoming very popular. Um, in that way. Now, there will always be a diversity of products, and it is very unusual for, you know, Juul at one point had three quarters of the marketplace through convenience stores and gas stations on, on, on Nielsen, but that doesn't mean that it was the only one, but anyone that dominates that much, very soon that commercial success draws in competitors. So, you know, Juul would allege all these people were copying their business model, but their business model is not patented. And in fact, many other, anytime you have a very successful business, you're going to have lots of innovation around it, trying to gobble up some of that marketplace. And I'm sure we'll see that with Puff Bar. No one really seems to know who the owners of this company are and where they're from. Puff Bar is a very obscure company. It's very difficult. You can't interview the leaders. You can't find, you know, where it is. We're going to find where the factory is, which is undoubtedly in China. Right. We're going to find all sorts of things out about them, but it's going to take a lot of digging to do. And I know that many reporters are trying to dig into this. I think the government, you know, should subpoena and hold them accountable. And frankly, until they have corporate accountability, accountability for what they're doing, they should be taken off the market. I mean, my God, you've got to be able to say, okay, who's the CEO? Who's the board? Who's the chief of operations? Where's your manufacturing? Where's your good manufacturing practice? Who's doing your marketing? These things should be known to the government. And if they stay behind this veil of secrecy, that's really not acceptable. What can parents do about Puff Bar? How can we stop them? My thought on that is get involved in the political process. We are in an election year. You have many local, municipal, county, state, and federal. You want to make this vaping epidemic front and center in this election. So you want to go to your, start even locally in your town or in your county, and go to the aldermen or counselors, go to the mayor, talk with them about this, bring in friends, sit down, plan the dialogue so that you understand it and you, you, you understand the key issues involved. You know, when you think about it, 
There is no responsibility of a politician greater than caring for the well-being of our kids. This is our future, the future health of the nation. And this is got to be at the very highest level of priority politically. Dr. Jackler, we are so grateful for your research, your passion, your focus, and your advocacy. Parents who are listening, if you want to join us, please go to our website, parentsagainstvaping.org, and see how you can get involved in your own community. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, the Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.